Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Acts, the ninth chapter, the 26th through the 28th verse. Hear God's word for us today. When he, he being Paul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, church, we continue a conversation that we began last week when we opened our worship series, One Another. Three relationships that you cannot live without. We started our series by reflecting on the relationship we have with challengers. And there are three things that challengers remind us of. And because you are all incredible worship attendees, you remember all of them, right? Someone very clearly said no. (laughs) I think that was Pastor Warren. So I will remind you. (laughs) Challengers remind us of where we came from, who we are, and who God is. And many of you, as you left the sanctuary last Sunday, shared with me that your challenger was someone that you were married to. And that is not always an easy dynamic. And I would agree with you as my spouse has viewed the sermon from last week. And he may or may not have appreciated the generous shout out I gave him in not loading the dishwasher properly. But then I had to remind him, like you may have to remind your spouse this morning, I am just doing the work of the Lord. I am your challenger. Now, if that doesn't work, just ask them to listen deeply to this message, perhaps a a less controversial one, as we reflect on another relationship that we cannot live without, the encourager. Now, Lynn Sweet, the author of Indispensable, defines the encourager as someone in your life who is constantly saying, at a boy or or, at a girl. When you've had more than one uh, jab to your wrists or stabs in the back, they're the person that grabs your shoulders, looks you in the eye, and whispers to you, don't let them get to you. I believe in you. In other words, he says, we all need an encourager, like we need food, water, and shelter. It's a basic human need that we simply cannot live without. And nowhere is that made more clear than in the life of Paul. Now, we all know Paul today as this catalyst of the Christian movement in Europe and Asia Minor as the prolific theological writer in the New Testament, or as the architect of our Christian church structure that we still follow today. But when we meet him in the ninth chapter of the book of Acts, he's just a man in desperate need of an encourager. 
You see, a few verses before this scene, Paul had a transformative experience with Jesus on a road called Damascus. And rather than pursue Christians to persecute them, Jesus speaks to Paul and he radically redirects the direction of his life. Now, Paul is a new creation. He's got a new purpose, and he's excited to join the ranks of the disciples who are spreading Jesus' gospel around the world. But when he shows up in that room, he's not given a hero's welcome. There are people who are there preaching or praying about the transformative power of Jesus, but it doesn't transform the way that they see Paul. They don't trust him. They don't like him. They they don't want him there. And that's the first reason that we all need an encourager. Because there will always be something or someone in your life that will discourage you from who you're trying to become, where you're trying to go, and the call that you're trying to live into. If you're taking notes, write this down. If it's good and it comes from God, discouragement is on the way. Discouragement will ride with you on the way to church, to work, or to pick up your your kids from school. Discouragement is waiting in the kitchen when you come home from work. Discouragement is everywhere that we turn or look. We simply cannot avoid it. And the reason that we can't avoid it is that it comes at us in four distinct ways. The first way that we experience discouragement is through what people say. The harsh words that people speak that diminish our spirit, that cuts down our confidence or makes us question our call. School children today are still chanting, sticks and stones may hurt our bones, but words will never hurt us. Well, that's a lie. We know that words have this unique power to sink beneath the surface. And break our spirits one day at a time for the rest of our lives. Another way that we experience discouragement is through what people won't forget. Now, we've been together some seven or eight months now. So I want to let you in on a painful secret. I had a brief stint when I was 13 or 14 with modeling. Somebody say brief. (sighs) I went to a photo shoot, and a photographer said to me, you are really beautiful, except, now that's another sermon, except for your eyebrows. They're just really big. They're they're really bushy. You should do something about that. So what did I do? I went home, Bonnie, and I went into my father's bathroom, and I took out his plastic Bic razor. You know the one that's like 99 cents, right? I then attempted to sculpt my big, bushy eyebrows to look more like a model. The problem is, is that I, I, I don't have a very steady hand. And this was two days before Thanksgiving. So I showed up at Thanksgiving dinner eyebrowless. Now my family this is some 20 years now, will never let me live this down. I have children of my own. I have grown back my eyebrows. I am a respectable citizen, but every Thanksgiving, after we've eaten the turkey and the mashed potatoes and the yams, they say, hey, Nikki, do you remember when you cut off all your eyebrows? 
to be before we met Jesus. Who we used to be when we drank too much or when we used to get too angry or when we used to gossip. There's always a description behind who we used to be. And there's nothing quite as discouraging as someone reminding you of that when you're trying to become who God has called you to be now. And if it's not this personal discouragement, it's systemic discouragement. We can also experience discouragement through unjust systems, through unjust norms that leave certain groups out and makes it difficult for us to fully participate and advance. In this season of Black History Month, we lift up African Americans who achieved, who advanced, who made a difference, often in spite of systems that discouraged them. Or finally, finally we experience discouragement through unexpected circumstances, things that we would never plan for ourselves. Layoffs, rejections, conflicts, breakups, or global pandemics. Unexpected happenings that radically prohibit our movement in a preferred direction. And so with these four types of discouragement always coming at us, an encourager is an absolute necessity. And the reason why is because an encourager provides insulation. You heard that right. Somebody say insulation. All right, so uh, stay with me. When we were building our house here in Noblesville almost three years ago, our youngest child, Isabella, was only three years old. And every Sunday after service like this, we would drive over to the new house to see what the builders were up to. And our kids loved this. They, they watched the foundation being poured. They, they watched beams being set up and nailed together. And then one day... We stumbled upon the builders putting insulation between the walls. And watching this, my, my three-year-old grabs my hand and said, I love this house. I cannot wait to live here. There is cotton candy in the walls. <laughs> now, I, I had to break it to her gently that we were not building the cotton candy dream house that she imagined but rather that that pink cotton material was insulation. It was a barrier that would keep the heat in and the cold out. It would protect us when it rained, when it snowed, or when the winds were blowing. And no matter how bad things got on the outside, the insulation would protect us on the inside. And I know you may not be building a house, but God builds us up with encouragers. People who come into our life and act like our insulation. They insulate us by keeping God's affirmation on the inside. Keeping God's calling on the inside. Keeping our confidence on the inside. And keeping the doubt, the distrust, and the disbelief of others on the outside. We all need an encourager because they are our insulation, keeping the truth of who God has called us to be within and the discouragement of others out. But there's another reason why you need an encourager, and it's not just because of cotton candy insulation, but because of the belief that encouragers have in us. Remember that our text states that when Paul came to Jerusalem, the other disciples didn't want anything to do with him. 
They did not believe that he was a disciple. Notice that key word, believe. He's been called by God on the Damascus road, but no one else believes. He's heard Jesus's voice, but no one else believes. And I don't blame them. Do you? Would you believe Paul? This could be just another sinister plot to infiltrate their ranks, to to arrest them or, or execute them. This begs the question then, why in the world does Barnabas believe in Paul when no one else does? It's not as if they have a lot of history. We don't have any scriptural evidence that Barnabas received a revelation from God that that Paul was all right. No, we have no indication that Barnabas knew anything about Paul. So why does he believe in him when no one else does? I'm so glad you asked because here it is. (laughs) Barnabas believes in Paul, not because of who Paul is but because of who Barnabas is. You see, Barnabas wasn't even his real name. This was a nickname given to him by the disciples. His real name was Joseph. We learn in Acts 4 that Joseph was a Levite from Cyprus whom the apostles named Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. They named him this because he took a a, a field that he owned, he sold it, and gave all of the proceeds to the apostles for their ministry. This name, Barnabas, was a description then of his character, a person who saw the best in others, a person who believed in the purpose of others, a person who was willing to sacrifice to encourage other people. And don't miss this, while we all need an encourager in our lives, everybody cannot be your encourager. Let me say that again because it will cause you a lot of grief. Everybody cannot be your encourager. See, some people are like Barnabas. They have a natural inclination to see the best in other people. They can't help themselves. They see possibility and goodness all around them. But then there are others, perhaps like my photographer when I was 13 or 14, that just cannot see the best in people or their eyebrows. They might still play a significant role in your life. They might be your editor, they they might be your mentor, your challenger, your protege, but they can't be your encourager because they don't believe the way encouragers believe. Let, let, Let me give you an example. When our oldest child, our oldest daughter rather, she would love to hear me slip that up. Our oldest daughter, Olivia, when she was in preschool, uh, she was a handful. That is the understatement of the century. She was such a handful that when we met with one of her preschool teachers during a parent-teacher conference, she told us three things in no uncertain terms. Number one, Olivia talks too much. Number two, Olivia is a little too assertive. And number three, Olivia does not follow directions. Now, as you can imagine, it was really hard to hear this being said about our child. We felt completely discouraged, like we must be the worst parents in the world. 
But the next year, we sent the same child back to the same school with the same terrible parents, but there was a different teacher. And this teacher, who met with us during her parent-teacher conference, told us something different. She told us, Olivia is a spirited communicator. (laughs) Olivia is a leader in training. Olivia does not always follow directions, but that's because she is discovering different alternatives. Javon and I sat there in disbelief because this was the same school. This was the same child. We were the same bad parents. But the only thing that had changed was that now she had a teacher who was an encourager. A teacher who saw the same traits that another teacher saw, but not through the lens of negativity, but through the lens of possibility. And it wasn't because Olivia was so special. This was the way she saw all of her students. She was an encourager, and she believed in the best of people, not because of who they were, but because of who she was. She was like Barnabas, who looked at Paul, a man that was just putting people in prison, who was just sentencing people to death, and who yet believed in him. And we all need encouragers who believe in us in spite of us, simply because that's who they are. And so I will ask you this week, like I asked you last week, like I will ask you in the week to come, who is your encourager? Who is your encourager? Who is your encourager? If you are not sure about the answer to that question, let me share with you the last feature of an encourager that might help illuminate the answer. And that is that an encourager is a person who affirms you in private, but also in public. You see, private affirmation has its place. Handwritten notes, direct phone calls, or care packages that make us feel affirmed and encouraged. But sometimes we need more than just the private encouragement of others. We need the public commitment of others. You see, as Paul stands in that room with all of those doubtful disciples' eyes looking at him, it wouldn't be helpful for Barnabas to text him, you got this, man. It wouldn't be helpful for Barnabas to whisper, I believe in you. No, what he needs in that moment are not just private affirmations because they are empty without public commitments. You see, real encouragers are people who not only affirm us in private when nobody is looking, but who affirm us in public when it costs them something. Now, I I know Barnabas' encouragement of Paul was some 2,000 years ago, so let me share with you a more recent example. 58 years ago, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and other civil rights uh, leaders were attempting to march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. Though they were peacefully singing, or bending down in prayer, they were met by police officers on horseback with whips, with batons, with guns, and with tear gas. 
Marchers were severely beaten in what was then known as Bloody Sunday. Martin Luther King disbanded the march and he called on faith leaders from all over the country to join him. And so hundreds and hundreds of people sent him cards, called him on the phone, or or pledged that their thoughts and their prayers were with him. But that's not what he needed. He didn't need the private encouragement of people. He needed the public commitment of people. People who were willing to take a risk. He needed people like Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel. Rabbi Heschel lived a world away in New York City as a professor at a Jewish theological seminary. But after Bloody Sunday, Rabbi Heschel decided that his private affirmation of King was not enough. It required his public commitment. So he traveled down to Selma, And in the picture that you can see on your screens, he marched alongside Dr. King, along with other rabbis who took turns carrying the Torah as they marched. And when this picture appeared in newspapers, unbeknownst to Rabbi Heschel, he now received a lifetime subscription of hate mail. People telling him that he was wrong for marching with King that it was wrong to take the Torah with them as they marched across this bridge. But you see, regardless of what it cost him, he was committed. And church, we all need encouragers who will walk with us even when it costs them something, even when others doubt, even when others disagree. And here's why. Don't miss this. Just because people don't believe in you doesn't mean they aren't watching you. Let me say that again. Just because people don't believe in you doesn't mean they're not watching you. People watched Rabbi Heschel walk with King and some later joined, not because of King, but because they were persuaded by Heschel's public belief in King. Because that's the power of an encourager. Barnabas was publicly encouraging Paul. And that influenced others to encourage and support him as well. Because remember in our text, the disciples were initially distrusting. They were doubtful. But because Barnabas encouraged him, because Barnabas took a risk, they came around. They blessed and they supported his ministry and his missions all around the world. Paul became a respected apostle, a revered missionary, an esteemed theologian, and a prolific church planter. Not just because he was Paul, but because God blessed him with an encourager. And maybe... Maybe God is asking each of us today, who have you become? Because you were blessed with an encourager. Or or better yet, who could someone else become? Because you are their encourager. My prayer for you this week 
is that you find your encourager or you find the encourager within you to bless somebody else.